Turn, if you would, tonight to Romans. Romans. Third chapter of Romans. As you're finding your place there, I do want to take just a moment and thank each of you for uh, your thoughtfulness to my family on Sunday. That was a blessing to each of us, and uh, just want you to know that we appreciate the card, we appreciate the gift, and uh, just your thinking of us and your thoughtfulness. So thank you, and I just wanted to make that public. I wish everybody was here to hear that, but uh, such is not the case. So you can let them know if they were to say anything. He never said thanks. Yeah, he did. You just weren't at church to hear it. You know, sometimes people take things and run with it when they ought not run with it. So anyways, uh, appreciate it, and so thank you very much. Let's go to the Lord in prayer, and we'll get started tonight. Father, we do thank you for this day. We're thankful, Lord, as has been mentioned, that we can be here tonight for a midweek service. We're thankful, Lord, that we can look into your word and that your word can speak to our hearts, and uh, we'll allow it. It'll, it'll do great things in our life, and I pray tonight that it would do just that. I pray that you'd use me to say exactly what needs to be said, and I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, tonight we're going to continue our study of Bible doctrines under attack. And the first one, I'm not going to review all these, but just to remind us that the first one was uh, the authority of Scripture. That is certainly a Bible doctrine that is under attack. As believers, we believe that the Word of God is inerrant, that it is infallible, that it is the Word of God. It's not the opinion of man or the words of man. And that is the foundation of everything that we believe as Christians. And if the foundation is compromised, then really we have no purpose to place our faith in anything that the Bible says. And so by faith, we believe the Word of God to be God's Word. And then it was two weeks ago that we watched as, uh, or we dealt with the subject of the person of God. We did not try to uh, defend his existence or his uh, presence because the Bible does not spend time trying to do such a thing. We just by faith accept that God is, and we wanted to consider the nature of God, who he is. He is the God of love and mercy and compassion and kindness. He's also a God of judgment. And we know that the character of God is certainly under attack in today's society. People want to form their own God and say, well, this is who we think God is, and therefore that's as good as anyone else's opinion, and that may or may not be true. We have to have a biblical perspective of who God is. And then last week we considered the subject of creation. We live in a world that promotes the idea that we are here as the result of some cosmic explosion, and over the last 14 billion years we have evolved into where we're at today. And whenever a person removes themselves from the idea of a creator, who created us, then they can remove themselves from the authority of God in their life. And so last week I tried to remind us that whenever you get past the veil of educated talk and theory and all this other stuff, there are as many holes and gaps in the evolutionist uh, position as one could imagine. They have to accept much of their position by faith, and so you and I have to take the literal account in Scripture of a creator, a creation, an intelligent design, and uh, that God created, and thus in turn we are responsible to live according to the design of our creator. And that's it in a nutshell. I mean, we are created, and therefore we have an obligation to be obedient to our creator. 
Tonight, I'm going to address a subject that there's really no easy way to tiptoe into it, all right? I'm going to address a subject that is talked about in society today, and I'm not trying to address this subject for ulterior motives or in an effort to be offensive, but I, I want us to see how it illustrates human tendencies in other areas of life. And so tonight, here's what I want to talk about for just a couple of moments, and then we'll get into the text. I want to talk about weight. Weight. Now, you, again, you can't tiptoe into the subject of weight. And I'm not talking about waiting at a doctor's office or waiting at your, you know, at Walmart while your wife is inside. I'm talking about weight. I think most of us know that it comes up from time to time this discussion about the weight of Americans in general. The general consensus of the experts, whoever they are, is not that Americans are getting skinnier, but rather Americans are getting heavier. <laughs> I told Susie what I was preaching on tonight by way of illustration. She said, don't expect many amens. And that's fine. But as it seems to be the trend in America, we're not getting skinnier and healthier, we're getting heavier and less healthy. So initiatives have been put in place and people have tried to get other initiatives in place to help us. Just a couple of examples of this would be, thanks to the efforts of our First Lady, the menus at many public schools have been altered and changed to give our children a more healthy option for school lunches, right? This is going to slim them down, get all of our kids skinny, and we'll all be healthy once we just get better lunches at school. Yeah, right, because kids still don't eat junk food. Anyways, if you were to live in New York City, they try to regulate how big of a Coke you can buy. Once you get to a certain size soft drink, that is considered unhealthy and you'll not be able to buy that in our area. Different campaigns have been promoted throughout the years to make us healthier, fitter, skinnier, leaner, less heart disease, diabetes, and on and on and on and on and on and on and on, and on it goes. Now, nobody denies we're getting heavier. And we don't mind talking about it in big umbrella general terms. Pardon the pun on big umbrella. All right? We don't mind talking about the fact that Americans are getting heavier in a general sense. But have you ever noticed that when you start talking about weight in a specific sense, that's when people look at you with darts coming out their eyes, like, why don't you shut up or die now? Because I don't want to go there. I remember a couple of years ago, I made the mistake of asking someone in my family how much weight they had gained since they'd gotten married. And they just looked at me like, drop dead. I recognized that was not the right question to ask. It's just obvious in today's society and in today's culture, we don't mind saying Americans getting, America is getting heavier and, and fatter, but, but let's not talk about, let's say, me personally. And so here's what we do. 
and I'll illustrate this to hopefully prove my point. Here's what we've done to avoid that dirty three-letter word, fat, and to avoid that other word that nobody likes, obese, we have renamed and come up with excuses as to why people are in the position they're in. Now, you may say, Brother Kyle, you have no business talking about this. Well, I do have a little bit of business because I have some experience in this. I remember wanting jeans growing up as a boy, and my parents would take me to service merchandise because that's where they bought my jeans. You know why they bought my jeans at service merchandise? Because there they sold huskies. Nobody ever said, oh, your kid's fat. He needs the fat boy jeans. They renamed it to that nice husky sound. Oh, your kid's not fat. He's just thick. Well, you call it what you want, but the kid's fat. But we called it husky. I don't know how many suits you've bought over the years, but there was a time in my life when I wore the athletic cut. That meant I was tall and really slim. They then transitioned me, I don't know why, into the regular fit. They took me out of the athletic cut and said, now you're just regular. You know what my next step is? Portly. Because it doesn't sound nice when the guy walks into the suit store and say, oh yeah, all of our fat suits are over here. So we have to make the name kinder and more polite and more palatable to the fat guy. So here is the portly suit. Several years ago, I was looking at clothes with Susie, and I drifted into an area, and I said, what about this? And she said, babe, that's the woman's department. Aren't you a woman? No, babe, woman's means larger. Oh. I thought woman meant woman. Now, I want us to see what we've done in America for years. We rename it so as to not feel so bad about it, or we like to excuse it. Susie was right. I'm big boned. <laughs> Praise the Lord, you got big bones. It's really not a blank check, though. For everything past that. Somebody might say something like this. Well, I'm tall. See, I can go there. Because I know what it's like to be tall and fat. <laughs> well, you're tall. You carry it well. I've said before, fat is fat. It doesn't matter if you're six foot seven. Fat is fat. But it's amazing. Well, well I'm just short and That poor thyroid. Do you know how much the thyroid gets blamed? Oh, yeah. Now, listen, I understand that a thyroid can get messed up. Don't, don't shoot daggers through me and say, oh, you don't know. I do know something about thyroid, but the thyroid gets blamed for a lot of stuff that probably the thyroid isn't responsible for. Yeah. Yeah. What about metabolism? Well, my metabolism has changed over the years, and on and on and on it goes. 
Very rarely do you hear somebody say something like this. I love food. Very, very seldom do you hear anybody say, I am this size because I eat too much. No. I'm portly and my son is husky because we have thyroid issues and as his father I've got metabolism issues and besides my bones are large. And the day you call me fat is the day that you have personally offended me. And the day that you call me obese, you have stepped over a line that is unforgivable. You should not say such a thing. Isn't that how the American mindset works? My grandmother, bless her soul, may she rest in peace, fired a doctor when the doctor labeled her as obese. She wasn't going to tolerate it. She wasn't going to put up with it. So when the doctor said, you're obese, according to our chart, she said, I'll find a different doctor, and she did. Because they didn't want to hear it. She didn't want to hear it. Now, take that principle and think about another three-letter word. Sin. Sin. That's not F-A-T, it's just S-I-N. Sin. What is sin? Well, it's missing the mark. It's when a person fails to do what is expected or required of them according to Scripture. Sin is when we fail. Sin is when we don't do what is right. It's pretty simple what sin is. This is God's expectation. This is God's mark. This is what is required of God in His Scripture. And if you do not hit the mark, if you do not do what the Bible says, then clearly, according to Scripture, it is sin. Now, you'll notice tonight in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, that there's a popular verse that, that most of us are familiar with. In chapter 3, verse number 23, here's what the Apostle Paul said. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now, what did Paul just make abundantly clear? He made abundantly clear that everyone is a sinner. Everyone is a sinner. I am a sinner, you are a sinner, everyone who has lived in the past is a sinner, everyone who is alive today is a sinner, and everyone who lives in the future will be a sinner. And we sin because by nature that is what we are. We are sinners. I'm not trying to be critical, but I don't know if you noticed it a while ago, but the third verse of the last song that we sang, it said, Sinner by choice. Wrong song. I am not a sinner by choice. I am a sinner by nature. I've said this before. Many others have said this before. I am not a sinner because I sin. I sin because I am a sinner. Everyone in the past has sinned, everyone today is a sinner, and everyone in the future 
is going to be a sinner. Why? Because all have sinned and every one of us have come short of the glory of God. Turn, if you'd like, tonight for just a couple of seconds, a couple of moments. I don't know how long we'll be there, but to 1 John chapter 1. I know that some of us like to flip through the Scripture. So 1 John chapter 1. Look at a couple of verses with me. First John chapter 1, verse number 8, notice what John said. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. What did John just declare to his audience? He said this, now if you were to suggest that you have no sin in your life, then here's what you've done. You've deceived yourself, and you've lied. You're a liar. If you suggest that you have not sinned. Why? Because you're a sinner. By nature, you are a sinner. Then he said in verse number 10, If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. So he said, listen, if you should suggest that you have no sin, then you've deceived yourself. You're not telling the truth. And if by chance you suggest that you have not sinned, you're calling God a liar, and his word is not in us. Now, Paul has declared that we're all sinners. John has declared that we're all sinners. Could we go to different portions of Scripture and read the exact same truth, the exact same principle that all men are sinners? Of course we could. So it then brings us to this question. Do people in general mind hearing that we as people are sinners? No. You can get the average person, especially in our area, to admit they sin. You can get the average person to admit, yeah, I've told lies. Yes, I've coveted before. Yes, I've, I've lusted before. Yes, I, I've stolen before. Yes, I've, I've done this. And yes, I've done this. So, so yes, according to that terminology, according to that line of definition, then, then, then yeah, I've sinned. And, and yes, we've all sinned. And okay, we're all sinners. And collectively, if you just want to say we're all sinners, I can handle that. But here's what is true in America today. We don't mind talking about sin in great generalities. But let's not get too specific about sin. Now, now preacher, if you just want to say there's sin in the world, well, to that I'll say amen. If you want to say from the pulpit that we all make mistakes sometimes, I'll, I'll, I'll grant you that. We all make mistakes sometimes. If you want to say that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, okay, I'll accept that. However, don't get too specific in the area of sin. Because here's what I don't want you doing, preacher. I don't want you meddling with where I'm at in my spiritual life and in my spiritual walk and relationship with the Lord. You understand this? I don't mind coming to church and you saying, hey, we all need to improve, we all need to work harder. I don't mind that. 
but don't address this because that's where I'm failing. Don't address this because this is where me and my spouse are failing. Don't address this because this is where me and my spouse are failing as it relates to my children. Don't address this because this is where we're failing in our finances. Don't address this because this is where we're failing in our habits and our addictions and our vices. Don't, don't address this because this is where I'm failing with my attitude. Don't address this because this is where I'm failing with my critical spirit. Don't address this because I am a gossip. Don't address this because I am a liar. Don't address this, 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 or this. Why? Because that's what I'm guilty of. Listen, we live in a society today that doesn't mind if a person should go to church, if the preacher should say something about sin, but don't be too specific. And so you know what spiritual leaders have done? Okay. Okay, because see, it's not just politicians who don't ever talk about sin these days. It's not just our education system that doesn't talk about sin because Lord knows we've got to keep the separation of church and state in place like it was meant to be, so everyone thinks. It's not going to be talked about in this arena or in this arena. And so what has happened is, is this mindset has come into the churches. Hey, preacher, don't address sin too specifically. And here's what the preacher has done. The preacher has, has cowered down and he has submitted to this mentality. Why? Because here's what preachers know today, that if they address sin too hard or too often or too intently in the lives of their people, then they can always go down the street and get a message message somewhere else that will not address their sin. So what does the preacher then have to do? The preacher has to be very careful. The preacher has to make sure that the sermons are palatable. The sermons have to be something that won't be too confrontational. The sermons can't be too aggressive in nature or in style or addressing the specific sins in a person's life. You can't have that happen. No, we, we, need to, we need to tickle their ears just a little bit and make it a little bit softer and make it a little bit more enjoyable to where they'll come back. And we've got to tell them things like every day's a Friday and your best life is in the future and on and on and on it goes. And what preachers have done is this, because, because the world doesn't like to hear about sin anymore, preachers have turned into motivational self-help speakers. Because they'll just take, listen, they'll just take their membership someplace else. I don't have to be talked to that way. And see, when people leave out the back door and they head over to this church or this church or some other church, then their church doesn't grow. And when their church doesn't grow, you've got empty pews, and that's discouraging. And when you've got empty pews, that means you've got less money in the plate, which means this and which means that, and they'll have to give up this and we'll have to give up that. And so here's what preachers have done. You don't like that preaching on sin, so we'll not address sin. Walk into a Christian bookstore. And just look around. I, I, I've done this recently only out of obligation, not because of desire. But just, just read the, the titles of books. It is full of self-help motivational messes. 
Why? Because the authors understand that's what sells these days. Encourage everyone to be better, do good, do right, do okay over here, and you're going to be fine, and we all fail. And listen, I understand that we all fail. The Scripture makes it clear. And again, the Scripture is obvious that we all fail, and people don't mind. Yes, everybody's messed up in some ways, but don't be too specific. So preachers and spiritual leaders, what have they done? They have succumbed to the pressure of not preaching and not teaching against sin. And if we're not going to teach and preach against sin, then something has to happen when we try to approach the subject of sin. We have to do something like this. We have to rename what used to be called sin. See, it used to be rebellion. Now it's a behavioral disorder. Right? I don't know about you, but in my childhood, a lot of us had behavioral disorders that were medicated, but not with pills. It was medicated with the dowel rod, and it was medicated with dad's belt, and it was medicated with whatever mom had handy. We didn't have behavioral disorders. We had parents who said, that's not right, that's wrong, that's sin. We're not going to put up with that, but see, in today's society, we've got behavioral disorders. I know it's going to get quiet again. That's okay. We don't have a lack of faith issues anymore. We're depressed. Hey, listen, it's not a lack of faith. You just don't understand. I've got depression. Do you know I thought I was depressed one time? My mom said, get over it and get back out there. Oh. I had a young man tell me a couple of months ago that he was depressed. I said, what are you depressed about? And this is a kid who had everything that a kid his age would want. I said, what are you depressed about? I don't know. I'm just depressed. I said, you're not depressed. Change your thinking, kid. But he's growing up in a society that we don't begin to say, hey, alter your thoughts or anything of that nature. Fix your mind on the things of God. No, nowadays we just rename it and we call that lack of faith depression. We control, you know, that lack of control of thought, you know, we, we diagnose it as something else. Hey, listen, somebody like this, they can't control their emotions. Now they're bipolar. How about you just decide to be nice when your body says be mean? <laughs> Aren't we kind of like sinners? And, and by nature, our, our flesh, listen please, by nature, our flesh would want to be ugly. It would want to be mean. It would be hateful. It would be sad. Whatever it might be. You say, well, I just can't help it. I have all these emotional swings. And, and you know, one minute I'm high and the next minute I'm low, you know. 
No! Why don't we just call it what it is? A lack of personal control, which is sin. See, we live in a day today that says, well, let's not call it sin. Let's not call it that ugly S word like we wouldn't say that ugly F-A-T word. No, no, let's let's just call it something else. Or if we can't rename it, if we can't rename it, what we what will we do? We'll come up with an excuse for it. Because this cannot, absolutely cannot be my fault. This is someone else's fault. You hear things like this. You don't know the kind of stress I'm under. Well, bless your heart. You must have one of the most stressful lives in all the world. Because I've known some other people who thought they were under stress and they never acted like that. But here's what you're doing. You're excusing it and saying, well, it's because of the stress. Or somebody says something like this. You don't know the kind of home life I had. No, I don't know the kind of home life you had. But I do know this. Other people have had rough home lives. And by the grace of God and by the power of God working in their life, they have come through this and they've gotten victory over it. But here's what some people want to do. They just want to park in the arena of excuses and say, well, it's because of the way my dad was or the way my mom was or because of the way my brother treated me or the way my sister treated me or the teacher at school didn't like me. Whatever it may be. But friend, I've got an excuse for why I'm acting this way. And if none of that seems to satisfy people, they throw this excuse out. It's just who I am. And I can't help it. Now, friend, that's the excuse of all excuses. That's like the, I can't think of anything else. I can't come up with anything else. So I just throw out the old, this is who I am, and I just can't help it. And then if we want to be spiritual, God made me this way. You were born a sinner, but God did not make you that way. We live in a society that says, hey, don't talk about sin specifically. Let's rename it. Call it something else. Let's not call it sin anymore. And if we can't come up with some kind of a diagnosis, if the doctor won't give me a pill for it, then here's what we'll do. We'll just excuse it and, 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 and blame it on somebody else and act as though I've got no control over it. You know what I've discovered? It's kind of like the people who never say, I just love food. You get a lot of people in today's society who just will not admit, I just sin because that's who I am. I just sin because I have no self-control. I sin because when I get angry, that's what I do. I sin because when I get mad, that's what I do. I sin because whenever I get upset with somebody, I, I respond this way. I, I sin because, because I'm a sinner who has not yet addressed that sin in my life. So you, you don't run into people like that very often. And I know what the tendency of some of us is in relation to sin and the, and the culture and the society that we live in. It's, it's sometimes our nature to think, well, 
this is some new occurrence in our culture. Go back to Isaiah for just a couple of moments. You may say, man, I thought we were almost done. Just give me another minute, okay? Isaiah chapter 5. This was written pre-21st century, in case you're wondering. I thought some of y'all would catch that. I'm glad that you did. Isaiah chapter 5, written a few thousand years ago. Isaiah the prophet, the man of God, addressing the children of God. Look in verse number 20. Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil. Isaiah chapter 5, verse number 20. Notice what Isaiah said. Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil. You know what they were doing back in the days of Isaiah? There were people who knew what sin was. And because of their mindset and because of their attitude and because of their spirit toward this subject of sin, toward evil, toward missing the mark that God had, had set before them, here's what they were doing. They were, they were looking at evil and they were saying, you know what, that's no longer evil, that's no longer sin, but rather it's good, it's okay, it's appropriate, it's acceptable. And so now evil is good and what was once good is now evil. Does that sound like the world that we live in today? Everything that was once evil, it seems like that's what's gaining ground and that's what's gaining traction. And, 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 and the things that were once considered good, okay, that's now evil and that's bad. And, and so again, I, I hope I said that right. It's all been flip-flop and, and, and everything is a mess and out of order as it relates to sin because people don't want to identify sin as sin. So he says in verse number 20, Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Go down to verse uh, well, 21. Woe unto them that are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. Woe unto them that are mighty to drink wine and men of strength to mingle strong drink, which justify the wicked for reward and take away the righteousness of the righteous from him. What were they doing? They were simply saying good is bad and bad is good so that they could feel good about what they were doing. Because they didn't want to feel bad about their sin. Now, tonight you sit here and you say, okay, I got this. I mean, the Bible says all of sin comes short of the glory of God and all of sin, if a man says they haven't sinned, then they deceive themselves. And, and the truth is not in them. If they say they haven't sinned, they've made God a liar. And the truth of the word is not in them. I, I get all this, and, and I understand that it's been going on for a long time. But, but Brother Kyle, I mean, is, this, I mean, is it really as under attack as, as you would like for us to think that it is? The answer is yes. The answer is yes. And we can sit here this evening, and I want us to understand something. This is so very important. 
You can sit here this evening and say something like this in your mind. Well, I'll never get to that point in my life where I call evil good and good evil. I would never do such a thing like that. And I'm not trying to sound weird in what I'm about to say. I don't want to be inappropriate in what I'm about to say. But I would like to remind you of this. Do you know how many times I've heard that? Do you know how many times I've heard people say to me, Pastor, we love your preaching. Pastor, don't ever stop preaching the way that you've been preaching. Or they'll say something like this, and I know they're trying to be kind, and I know they're trying to be polite, and I think they mean it at the time, many of them. They say things like this, thanks for the message, I needed that. Thanks for the message, we needed that. Thanks for the message, that one really got me. Thank you for this, thank you for that. And yet, as strong as they thought they were on the, on the subject of receiving truth about sin... You know what happens in the lives of so many? You're better than that, says Satan in their ear. You don't need to put up with this. You shouldn't have to be told this all the time. You, you shouldn't be talked to this way. And, and, and it's a gradual process, but here's what has happened so many times. People get tired of being confronted with sin in their life. And Satan begins to attack the heart and the mind of that person. And the person begins to think, you know, he is negative all the time. And you know, he never preaches encouraging messages. And you know, I can't remember the last time he made us feel good. And you know, I, I've heard bro, you know, so-and-so say that, that their pastor is calm and he's gently spoken and he never yells and he never gets riled up. He never gets too excited about anything. You know, I think we could handle some of that for a while. We just need to go somewhere where we can get encouraged, where we can get fed. And it's the very people who once said the message fed, the, want, the ones who once said that the message challenged and encouraged and, and had all these rave reviews about a message. Just trying to remind us tonight that if you're not careful, you know what Satan will do? He'll get into your heart, he'll get into your mind, and, and he'll say, go somewhere else. Someone says, ah, oh, you're just preaching a message to try to rally everyone together and nobody leave and nobody be upset. No, 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 listen. It's really not that. I mean, you can take that at face value. You do with it what you want. But I'm just saying, we live in a culture today where there's not a lot of preaching on sin. And it's kind of evident by how the churches are living these days. Because sin isn't popular. Because all the big churches and all the big names and all the big ministries... They're more encouraging, and they're more self-help, and they're more positive. And that's what this church wants to be, and that's what this church wants to be, and that's what this church wants to be. But we've got to remember this. The, the verdict to those who called evil good and good evil was woe. It ain't good. It's not good for a person to try to rename sin. It's not good. It's not healthy. It's not beneficial. It's not profitable for someone to try to excuse away their sin. At some point, we as men and women who call ourselves believers in, in Christ and followers of his word, at some point we have to say, you know what? That's right. That was sin. That was sin. Okay, that was sin. We're not going to try to rename it. We're not going to try to excuse it. That was just sin, 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 sin. And that's what I've got to deal with. Don't let Satan get you into the mindset 
that says we don't need preaching and reminders and encouragement and reproof and rebuke from time to time on the subject of sin because we need to be reminded that sin is real, it's to be avoided, and, and we, do our no, we do ourselves no favor to try to act like it doesn't exist or whatever approach we want to take. So let's all stand tonight and we'll have a word of prayer. Father, I pray that you'd use this message to remind us of the truth of sin. We, of course, as I've already mentioned, we know it's present. We know that we're all guilty of it. But, Lord, it is true that many times we struggle when it's our sin that's dealt with, when it's our sin that's addressed. And so, Lord, I pray that tonight you'd help us to not ever let Satan get into our mind and our thinking and our heart and cause us to begin questioning the importance of preaching against sin and preaching on behalf of righteousness. Lord, would you help us to not ever get pulled away into the modern-day thinking that says we've got to rename it, we've got to make excuses for it, whatever it may be. Lord, would you just help us tonight to be honest with our sin before you. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. As Lauren plays, if you'd like to pray, you've got time to do so tonight.